Well, thank you very much, Steve, and the team that's put that together. Uh, appreciated all the work and effort that's gone into that, and a meaningful time together of sharing around the Lord's table. We're continuing in our series on the, on the Believe uh, study, and we've reached uh, the topic of prayer in the second part of the th- three-part series, where there's the part on what we think and the part of of uh, what we do and the part of how we act. And we're on to what we do. And this morning's topic is the topic of prayer. And the main idea, I pray to God to know him, to find direction for my life, and to lay my requests before him. I'd like to uh, let you have an opportunity to participate this morning. So I'm going to take a little survey to start off with. And you have a little, in your bulletin, a little piece of paper. You can grab that and you can write your answer down. So I want you to pick one of the of these five choices that most closely fits what you think prayer is. So I believe A, I believe prayer is A, a tremendous opportunity and vital for the Christian. B, a nice idea. C, there if I need it. D, a helpful meditative exercise. Or E, a waste of time. So those are your choices. Try and fit yourself into one of those categories and then write down the letter on that little piece of paper. Hannah's provided us with questions to ask on a little piece of paper in the bulletin. If you don't have one of those sheets, just grab another piece of paper. Anyway, there it is. You got your answer? Had enough time to think about that one? Good. Could I, could I be so bold as to, to ask you if How many put A down as an answer? That's good, because this talk is sort of designed for people who put A as an answer. And if you didn't put A as an answer, that's okay, but I hopefully from from what we understand, what we come up with on the the rest of the talk, that that you'll think about uh, maybe whether you would like to change your answer or not. But anyway, so majority think A. Okay, tougher question. Next one. I feel that my practice of prayer... A, reflects my belief, or B, fails to match my belief. So you've got only two choices here. Whatever you said for question one, does it match with what you do? In other words, what you believe, does it match with what you do? Or is there a mismatch there? So A, you're you're reflecting what you believe, you do what you believe, or B, you don't quite measure up, you don't uh, match what you believe. So A or B. Had enough time to think about that one? Can I be as bold to ask as how many put B down for that one? That's what I put down for it anyway. So now, for you guys, the A's in the first question and the B's on the second question, this talk is really for us. Okay? And if every, and if you've got A and A, then you should be giving this talk. Okay? So who put A and A? Okay, Doug, come on up and <laughs> let's have your, your message for us. Because I think a lot of us, whoops. I just touched the screen and it all went out. It'll come back. Just take a moment. I think um, the 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 idea that we don't coming back. There it is. The idea that we don't always do what we think is a is a kind of a common theme. We know what we should do, but we don't always do it, and that's life in, and, uh, and we're quite aware of that. So, 
and you'll notice that Hannah's questions are in your bulletin and uh, those pages are, are there. So if you don't match your belief with your actions, what, this is question one of Hannah's questions, by the way, what aspect of prayer do you find to be the most challenging? In other words, why don't our ideas and our actions match? So I wanted to think about the problems uh, for prayer. And uh, I was wondering if you could help me uh, maybe share, for those of you who want A and B on that questionnaire anyway, what, uh, what sort of things do you find hard about prayer? Why doesn't, what's, what's the challenge for you? Can anybody just share a few thoughts about what, what things keep us from praying the way we believe we should pray? Time. Time. You mean you've got too much? <laughs> no, not enough of it. That's what all of us. Okay, anybody else? Distractions. Other things just in life, right? Keep us out of the... Yeah. Other ideas. Can't, uh, can't think about it or... Just, it's hard work. Right. Difficult for us. Good. Tim. I know that there is, I should have mentioned that, that you could answer more than one, but I wanted to pick the one that was most uh, expressive, but you're right. There's a meditation part of prayer that's important. We'll talk about that. Good. So some of, some of that is then we're not sure that it works, right? We don't pray because we haven't seen it too much. Okay, any other thoughts? A few others? Yes, Ani. Okay, so that's something that you... Is a problem because you don't spend enough time in the worship part of prayer? Mm-hmm. Okay. Since my computer screen's gone off again, do anybody else want to <laughs> add another thought? Okay. Well, that's a good sample. Um, there are some other things that you could think about, um, and I think maybe if, if, you, if you weren't so shy, some of you would share them too, but uh, some people might say, I don't even know how to pray. Like, I've never really learned how to do that. And um, others might say, I'm not sure, sure God hears or cares, uh, so there's a problem there. And, and one of the other things we've mentioned, it's, it's pretty hard and we don't see the results. So... I've divided it into three main categories as these problems of prayer. And they all have to begin with peace since we're talking about prayer. That's obviously a given this morning. But the first one is that there's a problem with the principle of prayer. And then by that I'm talking about the theology or understanding of prayer. I think we could uh, 
um, say that if we don't really believe in God, or if we haven't thought about that, then we need to, to reconsider our beliefs. Way back at the beginning of this talk, we, uh, of this series, we talked about God and who he is and whether he's a personal God and whether he cares about us and whether his word is talked to us. If we uh, don't have that, then we know that there's a problem. We don't, underst- we don't have the principle, the theology of prayer. So that could be a problem. We have to understand what prayer is. The other one is that we might have a, a problem with the practice of prayer. We might not know the methods. We might not know how to pray. And that uh, the disciples were in that group, right? They asked Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And then for a large part of us, I think the, the passion for prayer is a problem. The motivation. What makes us desire to pray? How do, we, how do we get over that problem in our lives? So let's just focus for the few minutes on the, those three areas. I think if we thought of the problems of prayer, they would fall into one of those three categories. So God is a personal God we discussed, we discussed earlier on in the uh, series, and he desires to meet with us. If we don't really understand that, then we have a problem praying, obviously. We're not going to come before him if we don't think he's really uh, the, the one who's, go- who's there or interested in us, or does he exist at all? But, assume, but as we've seen, he does, uh, we believe, exist, that he does care about us, and that he's interested in a relationship with us. And prayer is an essential part of developing that relationship. It's the means by which we interact with God. We get to know God by spending time with him. If we have a problem with that in, in the principle, that theology, the understanding of prayer and how it all interacts, it's beyond the scope of a talk like this to, to go into that. And uh, maybe a, a, it would be a time to read a, a book on prayer. There are lots of them. Um, for this talk, I read, uh, read this one by Timothy Keller who sort of reviews a lot of the older writings about prayer. And uh, it's kind of uh, heavy going a bit, but it was good, a good read. And he says in his uh, book that prayer is a personal communicative response to the knowledge of God. That's a bit heavy, eh, Tim? I, I find a little bit hard to wrap my mind around that one, but it's there, it's personal, it's a communication, and it's responding to God and what we know of God. It's a really a, a conversation with God. It's a two-way conversation, I might add. It's not just all of us speaking, but when you, re- when you study and read about prayer, you find that it's God revealing himself to people as well. Now, this could be a bit like uh, a friendship, and I have a, a, an ongoing uh, sort of friendship with Yves Bouin, say, and he's my texting friend. And Eve will text, and probably does this to some of you too. He texts you a little thing about what's going on, some of his troubles, some of his joys, some of what he's just understood, some of just what's going on in his life, and you text back and say, yeah, this is good, or yeah, I'm having that trouble, or I'll be praying for you. And, and he texts back and forth. It's a two-way conversation. We share thoughts and griefs and, and uh, joy. And through all those little texts, you kind of get to know each other a little better. And I wonder if prayer isn't a, a bit like that. I'm, I'm, it's a bit trivializing it to say that, you know, it's just back and forth. But there's a two-way conversation. 
it's comforting to know when you push in your buttons and you send it off that someone's there to hear that, to, to understand us. To, 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 we get comfort from knowing that someone else is listening to us. And in the same way, we get comfort from knowing that God is caring about us and is listening. I, I, I like this definition of prayer, and I got this from a person called uh, Dr. R. Martin. And his, his idea is prayer is simply paying attention to God. And just like I get a text from Eve, he knows I'm paying attention to him. It's 6.30 in the morning. Thank you, Eve. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, Eve gets up very early. I don't know. <laughs> when he, he's not here today, so if, when he listens to this. He, I, I, by the way, I texted him and asked him if I could, I could share that. He said whatever. So, uh, but he's remembering us this morning in, in, in our service this morning. He said he would be praying for us in, in the text back, so that's all good. But it's, it's that two-way conversation. The theology of prayer, how it works, is a pretty vast topic. I think it's the study of, that could fill a book, as we read, or many books. And it would be uh, better to give a talk about that in a, in a seminary, or maybe a whole course of it, uh, it would be an interesting, fascinating, and challenging course to take, and we don't really want to take that much time to cover all of those details today, because I would bore you to tears probably uh, with my talk, and uh, I don't need to do that. It's probably hard enough already to keep awake. But uh, fortunately, the Bible doesn't really take that approach to teaching us about prayer. It, it doesn't lay it out in a in a textbook, and in a seminary course. Rather, it's a story about people's experiences with God and how prayer is a part of their everyday and daily and lifelong experience. And there are lots of examples, and, and you can't go very far in the Bible before you start to read about people praying to God, and, and then it continues all through the Bible. And so there's lots of, of stories to listen to to learn about prayer. So a few examples just briefly to mention uh, there are Moses, for example. He was a man who uh, was said to meet God face to face as with a friend in, in Exodus 33.11. He says, Moses used to take a tent, pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And where, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went to the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance with, while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of his, to his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young assistant Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. You get the, the idea of the experience of Moses, that it's possible to meet face-to-face with God as with a friend. And I think Joshua caught on to that. He also wanted to spend time in that tent with God. There's a favorite story that we've all heard when we were little about Daniel, how, he, how the king made a decree, put up this decree by his uh, advice of his jealous ad, uh, um, advisors who were jealous of Daniel, that only the king could be petitioned for a month. 
And no one else, you weren't allowed to pray to anything else, any other God or any other person. Well, Daniel couldn't follow that degree. He had to pray. His practice was to pray three times daily. And he just had to pray. And so even though he knew that the decree was there and the penalty for disobedience was death, he prayed anyway. A tremendous testimony um, to the importance of prayer in Daniel's life. And when he knew about the testimony uh, three times, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before, Daniel 6.10 tells us. And we know that God delivered him and honored him for that, uh, for that action. The Psalms is an extensive collection of, of prayers, and many prayers are written down for us to enjoy, to uh, understand, to learn from, to see how other people pray. David was one of the main authors of the, those Psalms, and, uh, and uh, it's just a, uh, it's a prayer book, really, the book of Psalms. It's a prayer uh, and praise manual. Also, lots of other types of, of prayers in there, prayers of lament, prayers we just uh, downcast, all sorts of emotions expressed in those prayers. In uh, the New Testament times, we've, we see that the believers gathered together to meet and, uh, and, and pray, especially when times were tough. And, and uh, they prayed and, uh, and they, they prayed back God's promises to him. And when they finished praying, sometimes the place was shaken. God was actually telling them, I'm listening. I'm hearing what you're saying. Paul taught about prayer and he also prayed for people in his care. He prayed this for the Ephesian believers. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's interesting when we read Paul's prayers that he never really prays for their circumstances that you know they would get out of jail that they would uh, have a new emperor that uh, you know that they all of those details although important he was mostly concerned with their spiritual understanding in his prayers and he instructed his his people that he wrote to to pray um, for example in 1 Thessalonians 5:17 he says be joyful always pray continually Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we get a flavor of the importance of prayer through these people's lives, but no more so than when we look at the life of Jesus and, and his prayer life. The, the gospel writers tell us that uh, often Jesus would pray. Uh, I put up a picture here of the, uh, some of the landscape around the Sea of Galilee, and in Mark's Gospel chapter 132, it says, Early in the morning, all night, uh, sorry, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. You can see around the Sea of Galilee, there's quite a few solitary places where you could go and pray. Luke 6 12 says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. That's quite a, uh, a feat. Difficult for us, I think, that the Lord did that. After leaving them, Mark 6.39, he went up on a mountainside to pray. 
And then we read this morning already in the breaking of bread service that Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed there. And we read his prayer already. Um, My Father, if it is possible, take this cup. May this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. We don't have time to read this this morning, but if you turn to John chapter 17, you'll find a whole chapter of Jesus' prayer for his followers. And it gives you the heart of what Jesus was praying for. You can imagine when he went up on the mountainside and spent the night in prayer. He was praying for his followers often. And John chapter 17 is an intimate revelation of what Jesus prayed for and for us. Prayed that we would know God and prayed that we would have real life. And that we would be a testimony to the world and that we would see his glory and that we would be with him. And his, his uh, care and concern for us is as evident in that prayer. From these examples, we know that prayer is an important part of the lives of these people, an important part of Jesus' life. And it's more than just presenting requests to him, as Ani was sharing. It's a source of strength and life. It's a means of abiding in God, connecting and staying connected with Him, and a means of getting to know God. What about the practice of prayer? The disciples came to Jesus and asked them, asked him, Lord, can you teach us to pray? I think they saw in Jesus' life, in his prayer life, something that they wanted to emulate. And here's Part of what Jesus told them. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God and you will begin to sense his grace. So often we think of prayer um, as a list of requests, of petitions, but it's, it's more than that. It's a time alone with God. Jesus is emphasizing here to be alone when we pray. There is a time for public prayer and prayer together. It's an encouragement. Uh, it's a dynamic time. It's an instructive time and practice through the church's history as well. And he's warning people that it shouldn't be done for a show, though. But the, the, the personal alone time with God is extremely important for our lives to develop. It's a time to meditate and to listen to God as well as bring our petitions to him. And Jesus is telling his disciples, get alone with God and and listen and let God's grace begin to flow to you. The writer of Ecclesiastes mentioned something like this when he wrote in Ecclesiastes 5, 1 to 3. He said, guard your steps when you go to the house of God, the house of God being the temple in those days. But uh, wherever God is... Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Go near to listen. It's a time of listening to God as much as a time to bring your request to God. Both are important, but we often skip the listening part and go right to the requesting part. So meditation, as Tim pointed out, it's a good meditative exercise. But it's more than that. It's not something we just do to to make ourselves feel good, to make ourselves 
peaceful to lower our blood pressure and, and it may be, may do all those things but it's 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 not just meditation as a meditation experience it's meditating on God on his word what he's told us who he is what he's trying to tell us how we we're connecting to him so a big big part of prayer should be that time to meditate to, to focus on scripture take a small portion read it slowly let it soak in ask questions about it in your mind Think about what God is speaking to you through that scripture. I think that should all be part of our regular personal prayer time. We're not alone when we pray, which is a good thing to know. Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit is there helping us. So every part of God, all three persons of God are there when we pray. We're praying to the Father. We're praying through the Son in his name. And the Holy Spirit is helping us. Paul says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. Part of that contemplative, meditative aspect comes into play at that point, I think. Jesus gave us a pattern for prayer. He said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This pattern of prayer is really uh, useful for us. And Martin Luther is said to have prayed this every day with variation. He would take the, the thoughts of this and paraphrase them in his mind and take a new aspect of each phrase and go over it. And every time he started to pray, he would, uh, he would go through the, this prayer. And uh, I think it's a useful exercise for us to do from time to time, if not like Martin Luther every time. Something that I've found useful is this acronym to help us pray. If you have problems knowing what to pray, the word ACTS, the three, the four letters there, A for adoration. And you can see this in, in the Lord's Prayer. It starts out with our Father who art in heaven, how hallowed be thy name. There's time for confession. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Time for thanksgiving. Um, a time for supplication. Give us this day our daily bread. And these, these four components could be part of our prayers. Uh, the adoration and confession may be t- part of the meditative aspect of, and thanksgiving and the supplication, obviously the petition. A few thoughts on the supplication part. We're, that's the part we tend to focus on. We get caught up in, in praying and asking for things for God and God wants us to do that. It's part of what he tells us that we should pray for our daily bread. But that covers a full range of things, not just our material needs, but also our spiritual and emotional needs. And that's what I was getting at when I said what Paul prayed for, for the people that he was concerned about, was their their spiritual needs. And it's what Jesus was praying for us when he prayed for us. He was praying for our spiritual needs. So we're, a lot of the supplication could be directed in that form. The other part of what we can pray for, the psalmists were good at praying laments. They complained to God. They asked God to give them an answer as to why, how long, what is the meaning of this? Why am I going through this? Why am I so depressed? And, and they were waiting for God to answer. So part of that supplication is also a complaining part. We, and God is, welcomes those complaints and, uh, and waiting on him. We are told to be persistent in our prayers by the Lord and, and to be patient as we pray. 
And we shouldn't just present God a long list of requests without some thought as to what we might do to be part of the answers to those requests. They might just help us to stop and think about exactly what we're asking for. Uh, an, a, an example of this uh, comes from Tony Campanolo. Um, he's a uh, well-known speaker, writer. Uh, and he was uh, asked, I'll just read the story, how often do we ask God for things that we really have no right to? Tony Campolo was once a guest speaker at a mission rally. When he was asked to lead in prayer for a missionary doctor, the group supported the goal of the prayer that God might provide $5,000 urgently needed for the medical center the doctor ran. So Tony was asked to pray for this need. But he stopped and thought about it. And then he refused to pray. He said, no, I'm not going to pray for that. Um, he knew that his audience was pretty wealthy people, materially prosperous. So he declared he would only pray after everyone in the room gave the money that they had on them then to the project. And then they knew he was serious because he started to empty out his pockets and put his money out. So then they passed around the collection plate and he asked them, to, whatever money you have on you, put on the plate. And there was $8,000 at the end of that. So then, he, then the prayer became a prayer of thanksgiving because he didn't want to pray for that when they knew that they were the answer to that prayer already. So when we pray, we can think, well, what am I going to do to answer this prayer? And how can I be part of the answer to this prayer? And it's something to really think about. Problem was prayer. Passion for prayer. How do we get motivated? It's a difficult thing to do. Prayer is hard. We shake our heads and say, it's not easy. As if to say, God isn't always there. When, when truth be told, we haven't stuck along long enough to find out whether he is or not. We knock on the gates of heaven and scribble a quick note and stick it between the rails and run back to our busy lives. I guess nobody's home, we say. That was from uh, the book of not-so-common prayer. Prayer is difficult and we are very self-centered. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. The disciples can relate to that. They couldn't stay awake when Jesus asked them to pray. I'm lazy. It's too hard for me to pray. E.M. Bounds said it's impossible for a lazy man to pray. I'm... I'm in trouble. I need someone. I need some downtime for myself. I tried and it doesn't do anything for me. I did not get what I asked for. I'm not. It, I'm not going to make a difference. I don't think God cares about me. I don't need to ask God. I can do it on my own. A lot of eyes there. This person who wrote this was me. Needs to see an optometrist because he's got an eye problem. I'm sure you can. You can pick it up. How do I get over myself and how do I? match my belief to my behavior. If my behavior doesn't match what I believe, then it's either a problem with, with my belief in the first place, which may be something we should look at, review those things of what we really believe. And then if we do believe them, how are we going to, to move ourselves to, to match that belief? How are we going to really put it into play, practice? I put up a picture of Blonde in there. You know the story how he, he could walk across a tightrope across the Niagara Gorge. And uh, he asked uh, how many people believe I could take someone across in a wheelbarrow. And everybody said, oh, yeah, you can do it. And then he said, do you want to be in? And uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, not, not me. And so that person's belief didn't match their behavior, right? We get in an airplane now. Our behavior matches that. We think that thing's going to fly. Yeah, I think so. So we get in. Our be belief and behavior match. Uh, how do we make it work for prayer? 
how do I, how am I willing to, to take the effort to, to start this to work? It will require sacrifice. Uh, it'll take a, a bit of boldness. And someone said recently, I think it was a movie I watched, it will require sacrifice. Love always does. So if we love God, we'll be willing to sacrifice what I want to do, what the me problem is. In Tim Keller's book, he, he said this, I can think of nothing great that is also easy. Prayer must be then one of the hardest things in the world because it is one of the greatest. If I love God and believe in him, then I will want to make the effort to, to, to bring my experience in line with my beliefs. Why would I want to do anything else if there's the God who... who is in control of all things, wants to meet with me, where, where else possibly would I want to spend my time rather than meeting with him? My body comes up with a whole lot of other things I'd like to do, but it's important to, to spend time with God. It's a bit like learning something. It takes a lot of effort to learn it until you finally get the hang of it, and then things become a lot easier. You get a lot more motivation. You might even think like riding a bicycle is hard. You might fall off a few times. But when you become passionate about it, you might even want to take a bicycle holiday trip. And, uh, you know, that happens. So uh, when you get really passionate about something, it takes, it takes over on its own. But to get to that point, it's a hard effort and hard work. This is the message version of Galatians 5.22. And this is a bit pointing to that idea that eventually, if we stick with it, we may experience enough of the joys in life that we will become passionate about prayer, that we will want to spend time with God. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in, in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity, we develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way into life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Just ending with, with this verse that Paul wrote to the Philippians, Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're going to sing a song, if you'll indulge me with uh, in just a moment. Uh, uh, we've sung it before. The song is Our Father, and it's roughly uh, based on the Lord's Prayer. But let's just take a moment to pray before that we sing. Our Father, it's so important that we can call you that together as your children we come before you that you are in heaven and that we are here but that you want us to be with you and want us to meet with you such an amazing thing we pray that that you your church would be built that this local assembly would also be built up in you that we would see your will being done here in our lives as it is done in your presence in heaven we know we have many needs, there's many material needs, but we also have many spiritual and emotional needs and we pray that you would help us to fill those needs in the best way we can, help us to help one another meet those needs where you've given us the resources and where we're powerless, we pray that your spirit would, would just work in our hearts to meet our needs. 
Forgive us, Father, for the times when we've gone our own way. And help us to extend that forgiveness to those around us, those who have hurt us, those who have maybe given us a hard time. We pray that we might forgive them as you've forgiven us. And help us not to be distracted. Help us not to follow the ways of the world, but help us to follow you and deliver us from those who would would tend to put us aside, and especially from our own flesh, which tends us to lead to evil. And so we ask these things in your name, Lord, and praise you for this opportunity to come to you in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.